I don't know about you, but you know, when Sir David says your name, you sort of think, my job is done, I'm going home. There's, I cannot get any better than this. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to episode four of season one, We Blue Dot, a conservation podcast. Enjoy listening. Welcome everybody, wherever you're listening from, and thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We are so excited to be joined today by Dr. Julian Fennessy, the co-founder and co-director of the Giraffe Conservation Foundation. GCF is an international science-based conservation organization that provides innovative approaches to save wild giraffe populations. Amongst many things, Julian is also founder and co-chair of the IUCN SSC Giraffe and Okapi Specialist Group and has over 20 years of experience in conservation, ecology and land management. Overall, I think it's safe to say that when it comes to giraffe conservation, he's your man. And so, Julian, with that, welcome to We Blue Dot and thank you for joining us. Thanks, Katie. It's awesome to uh, come on and uh, chat to you. No worries. And, and where are you joining us from today, first of all, and how is everything going over there? So we live in Vintuk, which is the capital of Namibia, down in the south of uh, Africa. Yeah, you know, giraffe conservation continues. COVID has obviously put a bit of a, a sort of a, you know, stop to many things in the world. But uh, we're lucky we've got teams all over the continent and we just get on with the job day to day. Yeah, yeah, because conservation doesn't stop, um, obviously. Before we get into chatting about giraffe, let's talk a wee bit about you. Uh, can you give us a little bit of an idea of where you grew up and how you got into conservation? I mean, did you always love animals from a young age? So I obviously have a funny accent compared to you. <laughs> or as I always say, is I don't have an accent everyone else has. But um, yeah, I'm a Melbourne uh, from Australia. Uh, born and bred, uh, grew up there, always wanted to be an Australian rules footballer for my life. Okay. And, uh, but I, I was lucky as a 16-year-old, I spent a year in South Africa as an exchange student mm. and uh, kind of changed my view on the world. A few things happened in my family life. And uh, yeah, bingo, a couple of years later, I ended up doing a degree in science and got a job working for the Australian government in Namibia. Um, and that cool. was when I was a 23-year-old lad. Uh, in, in environmental education, interestingly. Okay. Um, yeah, so a lot of uh, affinity there. And then um, from there, ended up working as an ecologist on a project, did a PhD on giraffe conservation in northwest Namibia through the University of Sydney, got married to my wife, Steph, who's also the co-director. Mm -hmm. um, we've lived back in Australia, in Kenya. We've worked for lots of different organisations and in 2009, we created the Giraffe Conservation Foundation. And uh, yeah, almost the rest is history, so to speak. Yeah. So, I mean, why giraffes? I mean, what, what kind of got you into it in the first place? Was it just a fluke, a turn of events, or did you particularly love them? No, in all honesty, I had no interest in animals as I, I wanted to be a stockbroker since an early age. <laughs> um, my head works with numbers uh, a lot better. I'm probably one of the... Uh, the weaker uh, sense is my science side, but uh, mm -hmm. I think, you know, good project management and understanding things like that. But giraffe, I suppose, they popped along. I was working on a study here on a water catchment system called the Wanab River in northwest Namibia. And I started looking at elephant-giraffe interactions as part of that project. And the more and more I looked into it, the less information there was on giraffes. So the master's sort of blended directly into a PhD and uh, just focused on giraffe because, well, you know, 
there was not too much going on. So I was hoping that I couldn't be too wrong, whatever I sort of published. And uh, <laughs> it was interesting. It was a, yeah, it was like a more of a business deal at the end of the day. Um, and it just happened that it was a, a clever one because, you know, I think, uh, you know, as we probably talk about more, but giraffe really is this, uh, you know, the silent extinction and mm-hmm. not many people were knowing anything about it. And that's sort of what led to, current day working on giraffe conservation day in day out with an amazing team across the continent mm-hmm. yeah they are the silent extinction as you say that's exactly how people describe it um but we'll come back to that in a wee minute and you mentioned that gcf did you create it in 2009 did you say so is it is it quite a big organization i mean am i right in saying you've got bases in a few different places and things Oh, we're absolutely massive. You know, you can put us compared to WWF. No, not at all. We are <laughs> compared to some little... places. I'm used to in Scotland. It's pretty big. <laughs> it could be relative. Yeah. No, we uh, we're we're 19 people um, okay. from 15 different countries and nationalities. We are so we're very diverse. Okay. Um, you know, across Africa, but also the world. Uh, we have people. We have our main base here in Namibia, um, but we've got people in Niger, Uganda, Kenya, Zimbabwe, uh, as well as the USA. So we've got a, a good mix of people across the continent who are lucky to get on day to day and just focus on giraffe. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it sounds like good fun. As I say, I mean, it, my experience of it, it seems like quite a big organization, um, <laughs> but you obviously cover a, a huge amount of land and a lot of animals. So maybe that's what it is. You all, you all must be really busy. Well, good perception of that. And I think that's a, <laughs> a good part of it. But no, really what we do is I think it's how we work. We really are a network organization and we work with a lot of governments because that's really critical if something's going to be done. You know, we always say that, uh, you know, giraffe can only be saved in Africa by Africans. Yeah. And so, you know, we play this supporting role. We partner with lots of organizations from across the world. But, you know, let's just say in Africa itself, we work with Peace Parks Foundation who manage, you know, we're talking about a more than a million acres of land across the continent. Mm-hmm. And we provide all giraffe technical advice and support in those areas. So, you know, we're sort of the go-to organization on a lot of that management. So that's perfect. That's how we want to position ourselves and truly make a difference by working with the best on the ground. Mm-hmm. And from the little I know about them, um, as you said earlier on, had not very much research been completed until you guys kind of really started focusing on it. I mean, I feel like there wasn't that much known about giraffe until maybe more recent years. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a bunch of little things that were done, um, which was great. And a lot of things we we still know today is from work that was done in the 60s and the 70s. But I think there was just not much awareness and education and, you know, sort of sharing that information. Everyone just assumed that giraffe were everywhere. You know, giraffes like a, a big antelope or a big gazelle type of thing. So, you know, it got thrown in that, boats it doesn't have the same social structure like an elephant a lion or a gorilla so a lot of people kind of see the affinity with it as much as you know the social groupings of these other animals but um it's amazing you talk to people and you know one of the most favorite animals is giraffe yeah but i think you know we just used our different skill sets to be able to promote um giraffe working with lots of people and figure out that you know obviously the more we do the more we can find out and essentially there's no long-term research done on giraffes so that's a, a key part of it you know yourself know mm-hmm. working in zoos over the year people ask us how old does a giraffe get in the wild it's like well how long's a piece of string we mm-hmm. really just 
don't know those answers and we're just starting to figure it out after now researching in northwest Namibia for 20 odd years now so we're starting to get a few of those answers out for that population yeah but that's what makes it exciting I guess there's so much still to learn and so much to find out so you definitely yeah you're always going to have a job by the sense of things there's a lot to do yeah let's let's hope unless I get fired by the boss (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah true um so now you mentioned I mean did your wife I mean you both kind of started GCF is that right so how did she got a background in kind of conservation and stuff as well so Steph has uh she's an environmental engineer um by trade and so which works quite well because her you know sort of project management skills and uh as an engineer is is really good and she always says that uh, she married into giraffe as a result of it so um but you know we 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 call ourselves at depending on the day i'm the director of conservation and she's the director of non-conservation so anything else that i try to skive away from (laughs) but no it sounds like a good combination sounds like it works well you mentioned there as well that people just love giraffes that's one of the things I was going to say I mean even over here in Scotland obviously I don't think I've ever met someone who doesn't like giraffe particularly children they just seem to have this fascination with them but they're such unique kind of weird animals I guess that's probably why they're they're like a unicorn essentially (laughs) they're you know you you stand next to it as a little kid and you look up and you're going what the hell is that that's unreal (laughs) yeah so I think that does create that myth around the giraffe and everyone loves them. And across Africa in general, you know, there is some, you know, conflict with giraffe in some areas, but in general, they're a loved animal. They don't cause problems like elephant normally taking out large crops or Mm -hmm. lions that, you know, obviously, you know, take out people in some areas or cause damage in other areas. So fortunately they sort of uh, seem to have a pretty good rap, which is good. Mm. Can you tell us a wee bit more about them in general then? Can you explain kind of why they're so unique and what kind of role they play in the environment that they're in? I love that question. Um, it's like, yes, they're tall. Um, <laughs> they've got spots. Yeah, no, they they obviously fill a, a niche to be able to uh, especially reach sort of vegetation. Um, they spread uh, so they're really good at uh, seed dispersal and distributors across the landscape actually quite good pollinators as well Mm. so you think you know it's got its little mouth and its tongue on a few inflorescence or flowers and then it's going on to the next one so it spreads it quite nicely you know they are they open landscapes not maybe as much as elephant or black rhino but they keep some landscapes open so that enables other species to use the same habitat Mm. nicely so a lot of people like to think of them you know, sort of this umbrella species, um, especially if you're protecting giraffe or elephant, rhino, you're protecting a suite of species out there. Um, I, I truly think they're very close to the edge of their evolutionary train. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much taller, longer legs, uh, bigger heart they can get. Uh, they are so quirky and it, they look so ungainly, but yet you see them running and it is actually, it's, it's magic. It's like watching poetry when they're running along and everything works so perfectly. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, they, the more and more we find out about them, the more and we'll find out that, you know, if they do go missing in some areas, that, uh, that's when we're really truly going to find out what role did they play in the landscape um, as maybe habitat closes up or other species loss or what is the symbiotic relationships with other things that we just haven't figured out yet. Yeah. 
That's why it's so, it's so important to do the research. But no, as you say, the, I mean, I've seen them running. They look like such big clumsy things, but they're really graceful, actually, when they move. I don't know if people listening have ever been up close to a giraffe, but you don't realise how huge they are until you're right up next to them. You know, they're absolutely a ginormous, even the babies. I mean, the height of a kind of a six foot man or something, aren't they? Um, so they're pretty strong, powerful animals as well. What, what natural predators would they have out in the wild? Lion form sort of the major predator, especially for the younger ones. So in some populations, lion have, you know, sort of decimated the, the first year giraffe up to about 50% or so. It's recorded in some areas. In other areas, um, not at all. Um, mm. You know, lion prefer other species. It all depends on, you know, what they've got used to. The odd leopard will take... Um, as well as uh, there's recordings of uh, crocodiles and hyena, but again, all very low numbers. Even a cheetah and wild dog have been recorded taking giraffe. But wow. I think sadly, the biggest impact is people. There's just mm -hmm. too many of us. We've got to stop breeding. Mm -hmm. The loss of habitat, land, um, poaching, all of these things combined have obviously caused bigger impacts than anything else from any other predator. Mm hmm yeah, well, you touched on it a second ago, mentioning the different areas that they live in. One thing I always found uh, when I worked with them in captivity was people just thought there was one type of giraffe and they all, and they all look the same. So how many kind of species and subspecies are there recognised at the moment? You guys, I mean, it's changed over the years since I've been learning about them. Um, so, yeah, about 150 years ago, some clever people figured out that, you know, there's one species of giraffe and up to nine different types of subspecies and they did an amazing job and uh, figuring out there was different ones and it was great and over the last you know best part of a decade or maybe 15 years 20 years is uh, we've been able to use genetics and everything from mitochondrial which is the family line nuclear and now genomic um, level studies and we pretty confident and we've got a new paper literally should come out any day it's all been approved and accepted it clearly shows there's four species of giraffe um, and these giraffe which is the the northern giraffe has a couple of different subspecies but they run across uh, west central and a little bit of east africa you've got the reticulated giraffe which is just in kenya and crosses the border a bit into ethiopia and somalia and then you've got the Maasai giraffe which actually includes the thornycroft giraffe which is likely a subspecies of it but Again, it's all a Maasai family. And then you've got the Southern giraffe. So they're pretty clear and distinct. Um, they separated many years ago. There's been very little what they call admixture or hybridization. Um, you know, you put them together in a zoo, you know, they will breed. But um, mm. you can put a lot of different animals together and they breed in a zoo and yeah. produce a viable offspring. And that's, you know, the old Darwin's theory of uh, evolution. Mm -hmm. But, you know, lions and tigers produce... Uh, viable offspring and mm -hmm. you know i don't know about you but i believe them to be different species but uh, <laughs> yeah so just because giraffe look a bit similar in some areas but there's different skull structures for some of them there's different coat patterns for other ones so mm. yeah all of these uh you know we're figuring this out and you know the iucn specialist group and then i'm sure in the next couple of years we'll be reviewing it and providing expert advice from outsiders who are experts in taxonomy to say well, what do they think? And mm -hmm. um, we're confident in what we do and figure out that it's for species. And as a result, we manage and support governments to manage those populations as, you know, in those structures. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really 
in all honesty, it's really fascinating. Everyone sort of gets their knickers in a twist around it all. <laughs> but, you know, if it's nine subspecies or four species or whatever, if they're different and they all seem to be quite different, let's manage them differently. Yeah. That's what it should be about. You can call it John and Frank and Susie or reticulated Southern, Northern, whatever. <laughs> I don't really care. But, you know, they've moved giraffe around a lot over the years. So let's, uh, you know, make the conservation management the most important thing for conserving biodiversity yeah exactly that's a good point and where they I mean they've talked about where they're found now I mean 100 200 years ago do you think were they widespread throughout Africa where did they have kind of populations in other areas that they don't anymore so our best estimates you know on a bit of research is in the last two three hundred years we've lost a, almost 90 percent of giraffe habitat oh, in Africa mm. So many years before, there was different giraffe-flavoured animals that lived throughout Europe, but modern-day giraffe is just in Africa, and, you know, they were spread everywhere from Senegal in West Africa all the way through to the Horn of Africa and down throughout Southern Africa. Um, and, you know, the only areas they weren't was the larger sort of desert Sahelian or Sahelian environment and then the, the forest of the Congo. Mm-hmm. But everywhere else, they probably lived and... So we've lost a shed load of land and as a result, large numbers of giraffes. So we reckon, you know, in that time frame, there would have been probably more than a million giraffe. And today we estimate there's probably, you know, I think our best estimate at the moment is about 114 and a half thousand giraffe in Africa. So that's pretty decent decline. That's yeah, that's insane um, and quite depressing, but it's it's the fact of it. But no, I find it interesting. I mean, I did archaeology at uni and I specialized in extinct species and things and animals as much as I possibly could. But I learned a lot about like Romans and, and all sorts of ancient civilizations that had giraffes in their imagery and stuff so I find it quite fascinating just humans relationship with any species but particularly the likes of giraffe throughout um throughout the last few thousand years and it is as you say their their population's undoubtedly gone down very quickly in the last couple of hundred I'm sure so well moving on to that then what are the what are the main problems and the main threats facing them at the moment well I I suppose you know the bottom line for giraffe really is this habitat um, loss degradation fragmentation that's the big one as human populations grow demand for agricultural land and sometimes or in some areas not good agricultural practices so you'll go in and big slash and burn in the area that giraffe you know come through infrequently and if there's no habitat available of course they're not going to come there so this is just shrinking their landscape available to them so that really is you know the major impact um, across the continent Mm -hmm. but then what we're seeing also is a bunch of poaching illegal hunting in different areas so and this is mostly for local meat um, especially in east and central africa it's been a really big problem over the last uh, yeah many decades Um, you know it's a lot of meat on on a big animal and so, you know, often they call it war fodder. It can feed a, an army, so to speak. Um, so that really is the big problem. So, yeah, so giraffe are under a threat from a whole host of things. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, communities out there who are stru- truly struggling. So they're poaching um, giraffe and many other animals. So then disease. And as you know, I think this is the perfect time, COVID and animals and you know distributing diseases or zoonotic diseases between animals and people 
you know, there's been big things, you know, 100, well, 100, 150 years ago, rinderpest caused huge problems in the continent. And we probably lost, mm. oh, I hesitate to say, but 70 to 80% of giraffe probably died as a result of such disease. And so that mm. then was limiting for giraffe to be able to then repopulate many of those areas because the population remaining was so low. Yeah. So that's why I think we lost giraffe from large amounts of their habitat um, during that time frame. But yeah, throw all these things together and sort of, you know, it's a cumulative effect that it's not just giraffe, but so much wildlife has been struggling. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I obviously know about the disease side of it. I think more usually in terms of the poaching and the hunting, but then it's all kind of mostly human you know human related whether it's direct hunting or whether it's it's disease that's been spread maybe by by humans behavior it's um i as you say humans are unfortunately causing so many problems for so many species but i've seen videos and things on your website to do with snares in particular are they quite a big problem for giraffe so in certain areas there's been uh you know real big problems with snares so one of them is murchison falls national park in uganda and so that has been highlighted as, a, as one of the big threats to that part of the world. And so what we did is we work with the Ugandan Wildlife Authority. We have a, a combined veterinary team who basically every day are looking for giraffe, de-snaring them. I mean, in the last couple of years alone, we've taken off hundreds um, of snares off just giraffe alone. I mean, it's pretty amazing. This is a critically endangered Nubian giraffe. And by de-snaring and we've saved more than a couple of hundred mm. last couple of years and at the same time we've you know the team up there has been de-snaring elephant lion buffalo chimps the works so it's a, a great holistic program and uh, it's something that we decided to invest a lot in and really fascinating actually is in the last uh, couple of months we've actually teamed up with a local guys called snares to wares who run a community-based livelihood program around snaring um, and you know they make artwork out of the snares and so now we've developed a community program together to try and nip the bud of course at the community level so we're trying to attack it from all sides and the only way we can do it is by partnering with all different people with different skill sets and uh, hopefully together we can make a difference. Yeah and I mean I presume that the snares put out for other species you know people are trying to catch food um, but it's not necessarily putting them out for giraffes but it's other species are getting caught up in them yeah definitely giraffe is uh it's hard to say but it's a bycatch um, <laughs> it's a pretty big bycatch um they're more likely to, trying to get cob which is a ugandan cob a small antelope or buffalo i'd like to say it's all for subsistence but i do think there's a bit of commercial hunting going on there and selling the meat in the local markets DRC is opposite uh, Murchison Falls National Park. So, you know, the Congo's, you know, it's a tough place. There's no doubt about it. Uh, yeah. It is right up there. With, and they're the most animals by far that we find. It maybe because they're bigger and stronger. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, not only do we go out and de-snare, but we also go out and do massive snare sweeps. And, you know, we've got thousands of snares that we've taken out of the park before they have an impact on animals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you, you guys obviously we work, I imagine you work with all sorts of different animals um, that you find, not just the giraffes, because um, you're, you're going to come across all sorts of different things that are needing your help, I suppose. Yeah, no, luckily the veterinary team's pretty good and uh, they uh, get excited when there's uh, 
you know, some animal that they haven't uh, de-snared for a while, you know, they've got to figure out what drug to use and how to use it safely to bring it down and obviously take off the wire snare off the animal and let them go without, uh, you know, anyone getting injured, whether mm. it's animal or person mm. in the process. Yeah, so I mean, for people listening at home, I've witnessed things like this, but for anyone listening at home, if you have to catch a giraffe in the wild and treat it, how, you know, what would you do? What's the kind of protocol in place to, to try and catch a giraffe? Because they're pretty big beasts. So it can be a little bit crazy and a little bit hairy. There's no doubt about it. And it's a, you know, it's a high dose drug that basically, you know, you're over, um, you know, you're giving it a, a, a really high dose so that you can affect it. It slows down and then you have to run around with a rope and bring it down. <laughs> And that's a bit crazy. So you're literally running in front of it. You know, this it can be up to a 18 foot giraffe. You try to secure it then straight away. You get onto its neck, you put blindfold on, you put plugs in its ears um, to restrain it. But essentially immediately you want to give it a reversal drug. Mm -hmm. And that's really important so that you're reversing any of that drug. And then while you're working on it, that drug is run through the body and by the time you've let it up and gone, um, there is no impact of the drug, we hope. So, yeah, no, it's um, it's pretty crazy. You know, there's been at times that, uh, I mean, I've had giraffe fall on top of me. I've broken ribs and pop shoulders and uh, I've been grabbing tails of giraffe to hold them. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> jumped on their necks to bring them down. It's, you know, it's a lot of people uh, think it's a little bit crazy, but why you're trying to do it is really about the safety of the animal. Mm -hmm. But it's a big animal and they're quite, am I right in saying they're quite flighty? Like they're quite easily spooked. You know, they've got good hearing, good eyesight. Are, are they quite nervous animals? They can be quite shy and nervous. In some populations, like in West Africa, uh, in Niger, you could literally walk up to a giraffe within 15 metres because they live in and amongst people only. Mm. So, but that's really rare. But the majority... Yeah, they do take off mm -hmm. and you have to be able to follow them quickly. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, they're not normally just, they don't stand and deliver most times. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they'll give you a run, a run for your money a little bit. And, you know, I mean, the important thing is the drugs that have been used over the years have got better and better and the doses. And this is the normal thing that every um, veterinarian across the continent um, basically brings down giraffe in the same way. So, you know, and we only work with veterinarians you have to be registered to be able to do this work. So mm -hmm. we work with a whole host of them all over the continent and, uh, you know, we just play our role. And But at the end of the day, you know, they're ultimately responsible. We're just there to support them. Yeah. No, it sounds like a pretty cool job. I know plenty of vets over here who would love that kind of experience of getting into that kind of thing. And, I mean, in, in all the years you've been running the Giraffe Conservation Foundation do you personally feel that things are getting better? Are they getting worse? I guess you're learning a lot more about the giraffe, but are the populations kind of still going down in the different regions? Yeah, no, I think the bottom line is things are getting better and that's great. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't do it. We wouldn't believe in, in what we do unless we think we are making a difference. And so, you know, we thought a few years back, based on best estimates, giraffe were under 100,000 in the wild. Now we estimate 114,500 in the wild. Mm. A lot of that might be due to better surveys and methods, more interest. So people are, are doing a bit more work, which is great. You know, there's so enough people out there, it seems, doing more and more giraffe work, which is awesome. 
Um, hopefully, you know, we can inspire others and work with some of them and, and get the information off others who are involved on the ground. And I think together, we just need to keep, you know, at it and, and, you, and do the work for giraffe. And what we find in populations like West Africa, you know, we were down to 49 individuals in the mid-1990s wow. for the whole West African giraffe population. Mm. So now we're over 600. That's, that's amazing. Um, you know, if, if that's not an inspiration, and we've set up a new satellite population two years ago uh, in Niger, we set up a new population, and now we're going to add more to it this year. In Uganda, the numbers were down to maybe two, three hundred in the wild, and now we're over fifteen hundred. In the last five years, we've set up three new populations, augmented two other populations in the country. Um, it's pretty cool. And, you know, it's great that the governments in these countries, as an example, are really on board. And we just play a supporting role in helping them do what they do, building capacity, provide a bit of technical support, a bit of funds. So, yeah, we are seeing positive. Of course, there is some negatives, you know, and that we, that's why we're still doing our work. There is still giraffe that are being targeted in some areas, but, you know, we've got to find the best solution to help in those areas. And, Hopefully, you know, for us, we really don't want giraffe to go missing in many more countries. That's uh, we're trying to turn that tide. Yeah. And I mean, you've mentioned a few of the kind of problems and the threats that they're facing. But what do you see as some of the solutions? Uh, I mean, we've mentioned education. Is that kind of working with local communities and working with governments? Do you think that's one of the main ways to, to help solve the problem? That's critical. As we say, giraffe can only be saved in Africa by Africans. Um, you know, we always talk about, you know, when I was younger, I, I'm going to do cool stuff and find out interesting science stuff. And then sadly, most people then leave the continent and take those, that knowledge with them and it never helps. And that's just the reality of, you know, what's been conservation research over the years. So what we realized is that the hard and the longer road is to go in and work with governments and we've helped them develop their own first ever national strategies and action plans for giraffe and not only develop a document so that it doesn't sit on the shelf, but then we support them implementing it. Um, that's really critical, but it's hard. I mean, if you've ever worked with one government anywhere in the world, try and work with 16 of them. And, uh, you know, I don't have much hair as a result of it for a good reason. <laughs> uh, it's definitely hard work, but it, it really pays off in the end. Once you've got the buy-in, you know, this is the government owns it and you're there playing that role. So that's what we really, you know, we, we go the, the hard yards for that. Um, coming up soon, we're helping develop a, the first regional strategy for CASA, which is the Kavango Zambezi Transfrontier Conservation Area, which is in, you know, the, one of the biggest conservation areas in the world. And it includes parts of Angola, Botswana, Namibia, Zambia, Zimbabwe, all together. And so you know, we're helping the governments develop a strategy for giraffe in those areas. And, and that's what we want. If we can have a, a blueprint and then provide support and anyone else who works with them, you know, work on the same page, then awesome. Giraffe will are then at the forefront. And uh, so when someone wants to come and do something, it's like, well, here's what we need to do because we develop this, you know, as five countries coming together with our partners. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it sounds really admirable. You know, there's so many different problems they're facing, but it's, it's great to hear all the work you are doing with the different governments as you say it might be stressful for you at points but it's that's the only way really to do it in the long run um and I mean I'm biased because I've got a background in kind of conservation education but I do think educating people and 
and getting them involved with the animals that live around about them and stuff is is definitely a huge a huge part of it yeah totally so community-based conservation you know is, is a critical link out of any of these plans in northwest namibia and actually other parts of namibia as an example the last couple of years we've helped move giraffe back into community areas to help them with their tourism i mean what better thing that you know giraffe used to live in these areas they went locally extinct we're helping them bring back giraffe and tourists when they're in those old days where there used to be tourists um, <laughs> you know they were coming and helping supporting and community you know there's jobs there's benefits that's what it's about you know if they see a value in you know protecting their wildlife um, tourism can play a huge role but it's it's built on community-based um, efforts and so education awareness is the crux of anything that any of us do and should continue to do whether it's for wildlife or any sector that we work in yeah i agree and you mentioned their tourism remember that you remember when people could travel places <laughs> um but i mean has COVID, i know the answer i'm sure but has covid affected your work over the last year has it been particularly difficult or has it been manageable yeah, no, I mean, you know, we'd be lying if we said it didn't have an impact. Um, we're fortunate enough, we do have, you know, team members who live and work in different countries. So we've been able to get on with some of the day-to-day -day stuff in different countries. But yeah, no, I, I normally travel for work, you know, two out of every four weeks in a month. Mm. Um, you know, my kids say here, I was like, well, no, we didn't have any friends come visit us. But we had dad. He was around. That was really weird. And there's no doubt. But we actually came up with new mechanisms. And I think we've almost done more work in the last year and creating new partnerships, new opportunities, providing technical support. We've still done translocations in different countries and assisted. Um, we were just actually on a, a call earlier today and uh, someone asked us, uh, so what's happening in Uganda? And this last year during COVID, there was a, another translocation, which we helped fund um, and, you know, technical support. We had our veterinarians on the ground working with the government and it almost felt like our baby had grown up because we'd provided so much training, support, equipment to the government over the last five, six years. We brought them to Namibia. There's trucks there. There's chariot trailers, all of this stuff. But they essentially did it all by themselves without us. And it was, you know, it was sort of a you know, we had a tear in our eye almost. It was like, wow, <laughs> you know, this is what we want. We want people to be able to do their own work. We just play a little bit of a supporting role. So it's super cool. Yeah, it was like a proud dad moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. totally. It's a little bit odd, but, uh, you know, you're like, <clears throat> okay, this is not on air, so it's fine. No one will ever <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, no, it sounds like you've, you've still been, man you've been lucky, you've still been managing to get loads of work done. And I mean, it, COVID has affected everyone all over the planet in so many different ways. But I think over here anyway, one thing I've been chatting to people about is people have of a higher respect for nature that's for sure in the last year or so in Britain just in the sense of being able to get out in it and enjoy it but also they've learned a lot about I guess how zoonotic diseases spread and things like that so hopefully when it starts to die down in the next year or two people will will have that kind of well their love of nature will have increased and, and therefore they might help hopefully look after it a wee bit better but we shall see Depends on the part of the world. Depends whereabouts yeah. we're living. Yeah. yeah.
Uh, well, it's good to hear that you're still getting on with loads of stuff and you're still being kept very busy by the sense of things. So how can, if anyone's listening, how can they learn more about the Giraffe Conservation Foundation or how could they support your work? So it's always the big question and we love it. You know, we have website, giraffeconservation.org. We have Bookface, Facebook, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> and we have Twitter, Instagram. So, I mean, really the key thing I think is a, educate yourself more, find out more, read. And then what you can do is you can educate others, tell others about what's happening with giraffe, what we're doing with giraffe, what they can do with giraffe. So that's, I think, a really key thing that people can do at home. Then we have World Giraffe Day, the 21st of June. So it's the longest day or the longest night for the tallest animal. So it's a day that we all celebrate across the world. It's something that we created a few years ago. So, you know, people can, A, learn more about it, share on their social media, but they can also run a local event. You know, we have people who do, you know, 5K running events in the world to raise funding. We have coffee events. We have a whole host of things. So if people want, they can get in contact with us and we can give a whole bunch of ideas. There's also ideas on our website, on our, on our World Giraffe Day pages about what people can do. And then... Really importantly, as we say, giraffe can only be saved in Africa by Africans and, and, and we need funding. We need dollars at the end of the day to be able to help do what we do. So we really appreciate every and, and any dollar that comes our way or pound um, mm-hmm. to be able to help us. So, yeah, no, I mean, that's the bottom line. So we, there's lots of ways people can learn more, help. And, uh, you know, really, we're a team effort in, in any of the conservation work we're all trying to do to uh, save giraffe, any animal in their habitat. Yeah. And as you say, it's, it's all about basically providing you with the funds and the money that you need. But I know that I personally have, I've worked with like local little Scottish school groups and loads of visitors that used to come to the safari park where I worked and, and raised funds for giraffe and for you guys out in out in Africa so every little helps but I know one thing is that everyone was everyone totally loves giraffes they're they're so besotted with them they they find them so interesting and intriguing that I think everyone agrees that they they're so unique in itself that's a reason to to protect them never mind anything else and I think what's really cool is we've you know We've done a lot of documentaries over the years, try and create more awareness and attention. We've got little videos on our website and Vimeo and channels and things like that. We've, and we've actually on Earth Day, which is 22nd of April coming up, um, we're part of a, a documentary called Endangered. And it's uh, been executive produced and narrated by Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, wow. Um, and so part of our work in Uganda is showcased on that. And, and this is how, you know, we're, we're trying to get the attention and awareness out there as a small organisation. We don't want to put our money into the marketing side and, and things, but we can do these types of things that can bring it to audiences around the world like through zoos who Mm -hmm. have so many people visit, Mm -hmm. this is how we can get our education awareness out there. So, Mm -hmm. you know, get online. We were lucky to do a a BBC documentary a few years ago, which Sir David Attenborough narrated about our work. And, you know, this is awesome. This is what we want to be able to share everything about giraffe. And I don't know about you, but, you know, when Sir David says your name, you sort of think, (laughs) my job is done, I'm going home. (laughs) There's, I cannot get any better than this. Well, I've not had the pleasure of him saying my name yet, but I'm sure he said yours. But no, I, I did see that documentary. It was, and it was him that I think was describing that as the silent extinction. And I think that is, 
that is unfortunately true because over here anyway I know everyone knows about rhinos and, and elephants getting poached in certain species but people don't tend to know very much about giraffe but I think you guys are helping to to get that out there and, and people are learning a lot more about them now hopefully. Yeah we're trying our bits and I think you know there's a nice little thing about you know people say well you know we know elephants as you say and rhinos but why giraffe and so the biggest line is, do you know there's four elephants for every giraffe? So there's four times the amount of elephant in Africa. Mm -hmm. And so that to me sort of says a lot going, wow, you know, we know they're in trouble. Giraffe, really? Are they in that much trouble? Mm -hmm. Sadly, in some places, yes. Yeah. No, well, it's it's amazing all the work that you're doing. And um, I, I'm very appreciative of it. And hopefully one day when it's safe, I'll get over to see what you guys actually do on the ground. But there's one last thing I tend to ask everybody who's on this podcast is if there's anyone listening at home who wants to work with giraffe or in conservation or anything to do with how, what you're doing for a living, what kind of advice would you give them um, about how to get into that? Don't get a real job, earn lots of money. <laughs> no. <laughs> only joking no I mean we need it, it's it's about passion this this job is uh you know you need a bit of knowledge so going to university is quite critical um these days so an undergraduate degree in you know relevant science or natural resource management um if you want to go into the actual PhD level and be able to do that through zoos you know there's lots of our friends uh are zookeepers and you know they've gone and done through their, their degrees and gone through their training through the zoo community and then they act as our voices and ambassadors for their giraffe to help save giraffe in the wild so education is critical there's no doubt about it um, working out in Africa um, it's hard work it seems glamorous um, but there's lots of things that we forego you know I don't see my family back in Australia my wife is German so we don't see them regularly and, you know, friends that you grew up with. So it's not as easy as people think. You no. do forego a lot of that stuff, but you, you weigh it up and, you know, hopefully we're doing the right thing and that's our decision. Mm -hmm. But yeah, learn as much as you can. I think in conservation, a really important thing we tell everyone is do voluntary work, mm -hmm. rescue center or um, a zoo. If there's an opportunity that exists, what you're going to do is you're going to learn skills, but importantly, you're also going to learn, you know, and meet these network of people that hopefully as you go for jobs later on, you might have met them or know about them or seen them. So build your network in conservation because a lot of it is about who you know as much as what you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. I would agree with that. Um, and I think that's good, solid advice. Well, thank you very much for giving us your time today. I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure for me personally because I love giraffes, so it's been fascinating to hear from, from yourself um, about them. But thanks for giving us your time today and, and I look forward to World Giraffe Day and see what's going on. No, thanks a million, Katie. I really appreciate, uh, you know, you taking giraffe to the next level and we really appreciate it. And obviously, you know, thanks a lot for the support over the years. Super happy and... Thanks everyone, listen away. Look forward to hearing from you.